Um, Are we? I guess so. Yeah. Cool. So I guess welcome um, back to the closet recording studio or whatever. Um, and this is, I guess, episode two of um, what are we calling this? I don't even remember. I don't even know. Are we calling this something yet? Uh, mirror poetics. Mirror poetics. There we go. That, that's what you had named it, which I felt was apropos. That goes back to when we met as a yeah a writers on the Mirror staff at West Charlotte, which we ended up being co-editors of. Which is, I guess, well, not where I guess that's where our our friendship and our bond and stuff was formed. Yeah. You want to know what? It's funny, Andrew. I had huh. a flashback. Do you remember when we emailed each other freshman year of college? It might have been sophomore or freshman or sophomore year. You remember that email you sent me? Vaguely. You were no. talking about a you, you were performing. You you were talking about a festival that you had been at and you know how like they uh did indie artists and stuff and you asked me how my oh, music oh, yeah, was yeah, going. Yeah. You remember that? Yeah, right. I, I, I sort of remember that one now. Right. That's how long we've known each other. Like yeah. I had a flashback of that email and I'm thinking like, man, me and Andrew had like a whole music conversation in that email freshman year of college when you were, mm-hmm. uh, I was at Greensboro and you were. I was in Asheville. Yeah. I was in Asheville. Boone County. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out. For sure, man. Like, and I mean, even going even further back, I mean, we were originally like reviewing albums for the high school newspaper. That's like where, where we started like our, in 10th grade so it's been going on since we were what 15 something like that yeah 15 going on 16 like so the review yeah i wrote my first reviews for the mirror when i was 15 because i didn't turn 16 till that october and you know we were in school in august yeah Mm -hmm. august yeah Yeah, so so it's been it's been a minute it has been we've been doing this for a while actually yeah so 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 i guess y'all um get to see the the end product of this or whatever. So, um, so we'll talk about some songs, I guess we'll talk about like how they're put together. Um, I'm going to have Coop teach me some stuff about some things that, um, in this case, actually, um, for this episode, we're going to talk about, um, cream by Wu-Tang Clan and, um, born to run by Bruce Springsteen. Um, and after I can start with a confession, I guess the, the, um, the the song cream like it is a song that in my teaching career i'm a teacher for those of you who don't know um years and years ago it's a song that i pretended to know a whole lot more about than i did for um credit with people who didn't know better <laughs> um so um so i'm looking forward actually to learning more about it like for real for real this time um so let's break down uh, the first part of, actually, let's break down the group and how important the group is in terms yeah. of what they bought to the game. So Cream is Wu-Tang Clan's breakthrough single. This That's is, what I thought. Okay. Yes, this is the breakthrough single. It's not the first single. This mm-hmm. is the song that propelled them into stardom. So what really started off their career was Protect Your Neck, which Mm -hmm. is a single with all of the members from the crew who were not incarcerated at the time. Mm -hmm. You God is not on Protect Your Neck because he's incarcerated and so is Capadonna. Everybody else from the clan is there. That's their jump off single. If I'm not mistaken, after that, they went to Method Man. 
which is Method Man's solo single and breakout performance and what made him the star of the group, which is held up to this day because Method Man just graced the cover of Essence magazine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bring it back. Once upon a time, part of the grittiest crew in rap history, though, and was the front man for the grittiest crew in rap history, now doing Essence covers. It's part of the evolution <laughs> of music. No, no, no. It's a beautiful no, it's for real, though. Yeah. No, no, no. For real. Cream was the song that connected with people who were not connected to their core audience. And mm-hmm. it's because of the theme, Mike. So, I mean, I'm sorry. I'm calling you Mike. I'm so used it's to, okay. to doing the You've podcast. been doing the other podcast all day. It's all right. Right. Not right. I, I just got done doing one podcast talking about hip hop. And now I'm talking about one of my favorite hip hop songs. Sorry, Andrew. So CREAM is an acronym for cash rules everything around me. Right. And so the connecting dot was that they were talking about money. Mm. But intricately speaking, what's beautiful is that the hook is talking about money. Andrew, on the verses, they're talking about how poverty-stricken they are and how they don't have money. So the compare and contrast of the hook that bought everybody in this money-oriented that people relate to versus the verses themselves which are more hip hop oriented in the financial mm-hmm. struggle from inner city use and incarcerated use. And so it's super important. One of the things we need to break down is the creativity of the crew. A lot of people didn't know at the time and neither did I. Cream is the first song that ever became a big record. No, no, no. Second big record that's used as an acronym. Mm-hmm. They reminisce over you by Pete Rock and CL Smooth supersedes Cream by a year, I think. Okay. Both of those are arguably two of the 10 best hip hop records ever. Cream is a way bigger hit. Mm-hmm. A lot of that has to do with the hook. But these guys were into the craft of MCing, into the acronym of it. What a lot of people don't know is that Wu Tang Clan wasn't just something that they took from the Kung Fu flicks, they took Wu Tang Clan and made it an, argue, an, an acronym too. Wu-Tang Clan stands for, we usually take another nigga's garments, Wu-Tang. So they're being consistent when you hear Cream too. Like they're making the play on words and the creative and the crafty side of it important and putting it on showcase for a single and for a group name. That creatively speaking, was something that had never been done before that's in hip hop. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Like we had never seen somebody approach it creatively like that before because the evolution of the MC really starts about 86, 87. So when we're in 93, they're one of the first guys to get really creative and witty with it. But they mm-hmm. kept it very street oriented and very gritty. A lot of people relate to Wu-Tang who are outside of our community, and I think I would classify you as one of those people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. They came off as street MCs, but they really didn't talk about drugs and violence that much. Right. Cream is the epitome of that. So the drawing is easy because if you're not used to our culture, like as in if you don't live in our culture and see the drugs and the Mm -hmm. violence and how it dictates the pace of so many things, well, Wu-Tang Clan is such a welcoming thing because they provide you all of that and it's not as much drugs and violence involved. Cream is a prime example of that. They're giving you everything that's going on in the inner city, and there's even the drugs and violence, but the explanation of it is it's almost like, well, the beat comes first. The concept comes first. 
the run comes first. It, it, it hooks you. I mean, the, the, the hook is something else, man. The hook right. is like uh, an important thing. And, and I think, I mean, that's why, why, I mean, that's what you said. That's why it crosses over, right? Like, like pretty much everybody my age, regardless of like, um, racial background or how they grew up or whatever knows like cash rules everything around me cream get the money dollar dollar but like like that's a thing that that phrase even if people don't know where it comes from originally like they they, they they're if they hear that they're like oh oh yeah like i know i'm like i've I at least recognize that no no andrew you said something very poignant and absolutely correct and spot on when i do according to hip-hop a lot of the time I say cream is the greatest hook in the history of hip hop. And you just spoke to why that is. Like right now, we're in our 40s. Mm -hmm. We can go walk into a room, you and I, we can walk in together right now. It doesn't yeah. matter where it is. Mm -hmm. If there is a room full of white people, 10 years older than us, Andrew, in their mm -hmm. 50s, and I say cash rules everything around me, all You're the white out cream. Cream, get the money, dollar, dollar bill, y'all. Like 10 years older than us and all white, they'll mm -hmm. say that that speaks to the strength and the staying yeah. power and the connectivity and yeah. that sneaky great crossover appeal to that song. They didn't make that song the crossover. The no. thing of it crossed over, the creativity crossover, the greatness of it crossed over. Mm -hmm. Method Man, who has one of the greatest voices in hip hop oh, history. Oh, that's amazing. It's a big part of that because here's the thing. So old dirty bastard to a lot of people on into the Wu-Tang is Scotty Pippen, the Method Man's Michael Jordan. Mm. Cream's not the same if old dirty bastard singing the hook. Cream's mm. not the same if Raekwon singing the hook. So Method Man's voice and how special his voice is, well, Cream's the first evidence of that too. Yes. Yeah, so like, again, I am coming to this as somebody who is not a... Um, a, not a connoisseur is not the word I want to use, but not somebody who's well versed in um, in, in Wu Tang history. But like his voice, I recognize immediately. Like and and the other voices are distinctive too, but I don't know that I could pick them out. Like, oh. but but Meth's voice, like wherever you hear it, is just like an. It's like oh, that's that's him. right. That's Method Man. So yeah. when you're saying that, so he's great as an MC. Mm -hmm. But clearly, in terms of voice, one of the five greatest voices hip-hop oh, yeah. so ever heard. It's, it's, it's like a Morgan Freeman kind of voice. I mean, it's that kind <laughs> of distinct. So let's get into the instrumentation of voice. There are some people whose voices are powerful and authoritative mm -hmm. and strong and clear, clear and crisp. And that's what makes their voice so great. I'll give you four examples of it. Ice Cube. Mm -hmm. Chuck B, Tupac, oh, yeah. KRS-One, oh, yeah. all of those guys' yeah. voices, beautiful. They're not Method Man and they're not Biggie. Their voices are different, Andrew. Yeah, Th those two, those are two, two of the voices that you hear that you recognize like immediately. As soon as soon has, as in they can say one word and you're like, that's Method Man or that's Biggie Smalls. That's the specialty in their voice. In my opinion, the two greatest voices in hip hop history belong to Biggie and Method Man. And we can argue if you want to do one or two or do a tie. And then I would go Tupac, Chuck D, KRS One, Nas, Rakim are all in there. But mm -hmm. those two guys specifically, Biggie and Method Man, about the, Mike, Mike, there's something about their voice 
that's authoritative and smooth and inviting at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it draws you in. And one I of the things that I, I got to cut that out. Andrew. Yeah, man. God. No. I'll, New podcast. I'll, 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 like, go, I'll, I'll go in the editor, editing studio later and just bleep it out. <laughs> you, can't, you can't bleep it out and make it just seem like I was cursing at you or something. <laughs> right? Just like cover up your mouth, put a little box over your mouth too. No. Um, no, the, the thing, and, and the, the hook is, is something, I mean, some of the other stuff going on too is cool because like at the beginning you have, I don't know. I, before I listened to the song closely at the beginning, um, before he starts in the verse, the I thought he was saying cash rules everything, like he was doing that. But you, I, I think, correct me if I'm wrong about this, but like it's it's being looped, right? It's yes. like cash rules everything, and it stops, and then cash rules. And he goes to cream the second time, I think, and then the third time he goes like all the way through, and then the beat drops. Am I am I remembering that right now? You're remembering that perfectly. Okay. So that's very comparable to a singer doing runs. That's him warming mm -hmm. up for the hook. That's, uh, that's one of those brilliant producer moments where Method Man was probably just doing his runs, practicing the hook mm -hmm. before the beat drop, and RZA chose to keep it. It's one of those intricate moments that you're highlighting to make the song special. So yes, those things are happening. But it, that's similar to a singer doing a run where he's like, where he's practicing. Warming up. He's warming up, and that's and that's old dirty bastard harmonizing at the beginning of the ooh. Yeah, that's old dirty bastard. Yeah, <laughs> that's nice, man. Yeah. And the other the other really cool thing about this this is even before we get into like the 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 lyrics and the verse and whatever and how all that's put together, which is um, I'm sure you can say more about than me. But like, there's also that for such a for such a gritty song, um, and I'm using your word there. Um, it's got this this I'm not even gonna pretend to try to sing it, but like the like the little piano riff thing or, or keyboard riff that goes over the top of it. Um, yeah. That is, that's, yeah, yeah. That that's not like an ice cream truck exactly, but it like, it's, it's a really, it, it, it contrasts with the, the feeling of the song. Right. And it gives another layer to what's going on. And I think, I think that's really freaking cool too. Well, no, um, most hip hop heads do think that, that is an ice cream truck sample. As far as RZA's catalog, most people mm -hmm. think that his two best beats are Cream and a record off Raekwon's album, Only Built for Cuban Links, which also has Method Man on the hook mm -hmm. called Ice Cream. When you listen mm -hmm. to Ice Cream, they actually, you can hear the clear ice cream truck sample, mm -hmm. but it's a play off the original one. I think it's just a one-time loop that they do on Cream that yeah. you're talking it's, about. It sounds like it, yeah. It's looped multiple times on Ice Cream. Method Man's on the hook again. Andrew, let me tell you something. To these two records, Method Man's hooks on these two records are two of the five greatest hooks in the history of hip-hop to me. In terms of the craft of MCing, Ice Cream is actually a better hook than Cream, just not as important and not as groundbreaking Cream was first. Right. But Method Man's voice and intricacy are essential in both of those records, and so is the Ice Cream Truck sample. So that's your musical ear being spot on, mm -hmm. and RZA being spot on, and playing it later on on what's considered to be the greatest project out the group. Yeah, like it's one of the things I've noticed, and we'll talk more about this as we get throughout the series too. But one of the things that I, I one of the things that that I see as a, a, a unifying point between a lot of the hip hop songs that cross over is they have hooks that are singable. Um, um, 
that that have some kind of melody to them and cream is actually the the hook is not melodic really like you're not singing it you're saying it um but it it does have that same catchy quality to it and and i think that that piano thing goes along with that to kind of drive it in to your brain yes there's a lot of um so cream is the first beat that I ever rapped over as an MC and looking back on it, it is what I like to call a, it's as great as a simple, stupid beat that you're gonna find. Mm. Like the loops, not complicated. The beat breaks, not complicated. The drums, not complicated. The keys, not complicated. Mm -hmm. But when you put a lot of simple things together that go together well, what you have is a nice meal. And so never has the simplicity on the production side of hip hop really been as beautiful of that. There's nothing complicated going on. The whole Enter the Wu-Tang, what makes RZA so great is that there's nothing complicated going on. It's the simple done exceptionally well by a producer. Now it helps when you have all time great MCs rhyming over your beats because in Method Man, and ODB, and Raekwon. It's a long list. Yeah. And Jizza, and Inspector Deck. Oh, well, you have some of the greatest guys to ever bless the mic, and that's always going to make your... And all together, too. Right, and all together in one, on one accord for the only time that they're ever really on one accord. So all of those things are a beautiful moment, but mm-hmm. the ability, and this is what I mean about it's the first beat that I rhymed over, it's the type of beat that if you're an MC, it makes you want to rap to it. There's something about it inherent. Yeah, it pulls you in. Yeah. It pulls you in. Big draw in factor. It's like there's something about the way it loops because you want to know it. And this is what I mean about the simple, stupid part. It makes you feel like everybody can catch it and yeah. everybody can catch it. And then you find out that you're not Raekwon. You're not. <laughs> and you're Nobody not, is, right? Man. Right. And you find out you're not those guys. And so can we go to the important part in terms of how it related to the culture? Because the method yeah, for sure. is why it crossed over. But Andrew. Yeah, we got to get into the verses, man. I don't think that there's a all-time great rap song that is as lyrically as strong as this song. Yeah. It's, it's nice. Like, you just, the first lines... Like the, even right. the, I, I don't want to be like too English teachery about this. Sorry guys. No, but like, me, but me like, but the, is, but the internal rhyme in that first line grew up on the, the crime side, the New York times side, like, like the, I, 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 and all of those words is, it's not just like at the ends of the lines. It's like cut all the way through those were like it's like in like I, I wrote it down somewhere. I'm not, a, not a, a now, but it's like five or six of the words in those lines or seven or eight, I mean, a bunch. He starts off, I grew up on the crime side, the New York Times side, staying alive was no job, had second hands, moms bounced on old mans. So then we moved to Shaolin land. So he right there is expressing what a lot of young black men as youth experience mm-hmm. as black men in the first four, four bars. I grew up on the crime side. The relatability is immediate because mm-hmm. of the first bar. Right. Like you're hearing the hook and it draws you in. But and then the you, beat drops and it goes right, to, right at that. Right. And that's what I mean. So they're on point and they're on message. I grew up on the crime side. 
the New York Times side, staying alive was no job. Well, if you're from similar backgrounds and similar beginnings, you're immediately, you're there. So did I keep going. Had second hands. That's hand-me-downs. That means we couldn't afford new clothes. Right. That's the poverty coming into play. Mom's bounced on old man's. That means he wasn't treating her right. Right. A lot of us in this community grew up without our fathers about their behavior, not even about them wanting to be there. It's their behavior. Mm. Is it conducive to what the women want for the future of their children? And so sometimes we grow up as single parents, not because dad's not there, because mom's not having it, because dad being there is potentially a bad influence. Okay. So explaining mom's bounced on old man's like this ain't your typical single black parent family story. He didn't leave us. She left him out. Right. Like she's not having his shit. I come from a strong black woman. You hear a quick, the contextualization (laughs) of everything. This is the first three, four, five, six bars of the song. So Raekwon, and he's the, considered to be like the street cornerstone of the group. Well, mm-hmm. he submitted it right there because he spoke to a lot of things going on in our community and what we feel and the things that we see. And even the flip side to the game with the mother leaving the father and us being without dad because of that reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he gives you all of that right there in those first few bars. I say that's just at the very beginning, right? Yeah. Right. But yeah, it's it's... It's such a beautiful song like um and it's one of those things that like i love listening to you talk about it because i don't know a ton about it and it's it's and obviously that was not well maybe not obviously to the audience but it was not my lived experience um though um i probably just have been around more just because of where we went to high school than most people who look like me that are my age but but it is definitely not my lived experience. So so one of the cool things, and, and this is one of the awesome things about music in these conversations, is that it it's like reading a poem or reading a novel, or I mean it is a poem, obviously, but like it's it it allows people who did not have you you talk about you talked about like how it made it makes a lot of people feel seen, right? And people like like this is my experience too like i understand where you're coming from or whatever but it also for people who did not have that lived experience will um not give it to them because you could never have that you could not go, like go back and have it but it it allows you a, a like a window into what that what that was like from somebody who has lived it so there's Another thing that you're touching on that's very important, there's a vulnerability to this Mm -hmm. song. Part of rap is machismo, bravado, Mm -hmm. your aura, your pride, your ego. This record is frighteningly vulnerable. Mm -hmm. The rhetoric expressed by the MCs is frighteningly vulnerable. The guys that are coming before them are not letting this type of vulnerability be shown outside of LL Cool J and Big Daddy Kane, who were being excoriated for it. Mm-hmm. Rock in briefly with Mahogany touched on it, but he did it in such a cool and calm manner that is indicative of his style. And the record is so great that kind of a hall pass for that. 
So the vulnerability of the record matters because they're talking about rough circumstances. They're talking about rough circumstances that most great MCs that come before us don't express on a personal level. Right. And they, they're, talking about, they're talking about it also, if I'm understanding correctly, not exactly from a child's perspective, but from like, you're seeing it a little bit from like a, a younger person's perspective and not like a, a fully grown person who's like looking back on their experiences, but they're re reanimating this is this is them, experience this is them from like ages 11 to 16 yeah yes yes so there's some 11 to 16 going on in terms of how in terms of the uh, scenery that's being painted mm -hmm. by the artist but here's what i'm saying and, and and you know this because you're an english teacher what most great rap artists did before them tupac has a lot to do with changing that mm -hmm. they talk emotionally about what's going on in their neighborhood, but not what's going on with them. Okay. Raekwon and Inspector Deck on this record, they're talking about what's going on with them. Raekwon's on there, same damn low sweater. Times is rough and tough like leather. That's meaning I'm wearing the same polo sweater that mom's got me last year. We can't afford a new sweater. So I'm wearing the same polo sweater that she got me for Christmas last year, this year. Then there's the hip hop head contextualization. Times is rough and tough like leather. That's Run DMC. So he's getting the hip hop head then letting them know times is rough and tough like leather. Like, so he's bringing his culture into it. It's personal, you know? Right. He's referenced and he's referencing things that came before him too. Right. Inspector Deck, handcuffed in the back of a bus. 40 of us. Life has assured he shouldn't be so rough. But as the world turned, I learned life was hell. Living in a world no different from a cell. Every day I skate from Jake's, the Jake's of the police. Every day I skate from Jake's giving chase, selling bass, like I'm a drug dealer already. And I'm smoking bones in the staircase. And so I'm, I'm smoking cigarettes because I'm stressed. I'm selling drugs. The police are after me. I've already been incarcerated. Yeah. And, and just the, the, the poetics of that, like all right. the A's echoing each other. Like, I mean, it's, it's not, it's not nuts. It's, it's amazing. Like it's the, the, and this is one of the things that I, I'm learning the more I'm listening to these songs closely. Like, like cream is one of those songs that obviously I was familiar with just with the hook. Like, I mean, and I'd listen to the whole song or whatever, but not like closely, closely. Right. And it's the intricacy of the rhymes in the verses are astounding. Like, yes. like the, cause I mean, traditionally, I mean, I think in hip hop history too, we will we'll talk about this later. I'm sure in a different episode, but, um, they would just rhyme the end of the lines. And that's, that's a poetry right. thing going back to like, you know, yeah, that's, the that's 1400s older. or whatever. Right. Um, but yeah, I think it's uh, older than that, Andrew. But yeah, it goes back way, way back. Um, so I, I sort of was trying to say like in the English language, I guess I didn't say that part out loud, but, but yes, it goes way back, way beyond that too. Um, but they are echoing sounds in the middle of lines and consecutive words and like, and using that, um, correct me if I'm wrong about this, but using that to like connect the lines together, uh, um, like the end rhymes are different than the ones in the middle of the lines and the ones in the middle of the lines connect the lines. Double entendre rhyme scheme. Yes. Yeah. 
it's it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's it's sick is what it is it's beautiful so that 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 even within itself there were only all the mcs that had the capability of doing that mm-hmm. of what you're talking about all of those guys were solo mcs for so imagine the effect of hip-hop listeners who loved hip-hop hearing guys they had never heard before who weren't solo MCs that were part of this big group mm-hmm. that had the capability to do the things that you're talking about rhyme-wise. And a bunch of them. A bunch of them that the greatest, they had only heard the greatest MCs talk like this. And those guys were all solo guys. Rock M, KRS, Cool mm-hmm. G, Pat, Big Daddy Kane. It's like, these guys are in a group? Yeah. And they're friends and they like, they yeah, they're sure. And they rap together and they, they're understanding each other. One of the important things about Cream on a hip hop level that people uh, often don't realize or talk about, Raekwon's biggest and oftentimes, and in my opinion, best solo song is a song called Incarcerated Scarfaces. Mm-hmm. If you listen to Inspector Deck on Cream, they hit me with the case Scarface, Incarcerated, Base mm-hmm. going upstate my destination. Raekwon took the bar from Cream that Inspector Deck used mm-hmm and made it into the biggest rap song of his career. Like that's his seminal moment as an MC is incarcerated Scarfaces. It's actually what Inspector Dex referencing on Cream when you listen to the verse. Mm. I forget how exactly how it goes, it's been so long. Something caught me with a case, Scarface incarcerated, basin, going upstate my destination, handcuffed the back of it. But Raekwon flipped his man's bars and made a Mm. whole song out of it. That was what was so beautiful, right? And so there was something beautiful about the synergy. There's a beat that plays on Method Man's album, and it's like the sickest beat on the album outside of Bring the Pain. You don't hear it pop back up to Raekwon's album, which is two albums later, and it's the same beat, and it plays back. And you're like, oh, shit, that's the beat I was waiting for. So they were connecting the dots with each other, too. So there's a lot of beautiful stuff going on that you didn't even realize when Cream dropped, it's like, oh shit, these guys had a plan the whole time. Mm-hmm. They had a plan to line it up. each other and use each other and line it up. The beat's called Guillotine on Only Built for Cuban Links. It's track seven. I think it's like, it's the interlude. Mm-hmm. I think right before Meth vs. Chef, mm-hmm. Raekwon's the only person on the purple, I mean, on Takao that's a rapper from the Wu-Tang Clan. Like, it's just Raekwon on there. It's, it's Raekwon. It's Meth vs. Chef. It's a freestyle battle between Method Man and Raekwon. Mm-hmm. Method Man won the battle, so the track ended up on his album, not Raekwon's. But when the track cuts on, it's the guillotine beat that ends up on Raekwon's album. And so it's almost like Ray lost that beat on the battle and ended up on Method Man's album, he asked for the beat that the song started off with, which was actually a better beat and turned out being a better song than the song that they did. Because Guillotine on Cuban Links is one of Wu-Tang Clan's best crew songs. Oh, cool. So, and so they were connected early on with the mission, down to the beats, down to the rhymes, down to how it happened. Yeah. And, nice. they, and they would rhyme live on mic for beats, Meth vs. Chef is them freestyling against each other for the beat. If you listen to the record at the end, Raekwon's like, oh shit, because he knows he lost. Because mm-hmm. Method Man did this thing with his flow at the end 
where he just killed Ray and Ray came in on the second verse, but he didn't have nothing for meth that day. And it's on Method Man's album. And so they're letting you know we're competitive in here. Mm -hmm. And they're making each other better. I one would assume, right? Yeah. So there's a lot of things going on. Cream is the first evidence of all those things. You can go back to Cream. They're all like coming together. Like, right. Everything that they were doing about coming together and how it came together, you can go back to Cream and be like, that's where it all came together the first time. It's super special. I think it's one of the five best rap songs ever. And if you were to tell me it was the best rap song ever, I would not argue with you because it has everything that you would want out of the greatest rap song of all time. Is it important? Yes. Yep. Is it impactful? Yes. Are the rhymes all time great? Yes. Is the hook all time great? It's the greatest. Is the beat great? Every MC has been rhyming on it since the day that it came out. <laughs> yep. So it has everything that the all time greatest song of all time in hip hop has. So it's in that type of conversation. Special, special record. Yeah, man. So this is, I don't, I don't know exactly how to, to segue to the other part of the song because I'm always kind of embarrassed to get into the, um, the rock and roll version or rock and roll part of this because I am not nearly the expert on Bruce Springsteen, particularly um, in this case, um, that you are um, about the other stuff. But um, we can talk about a little bit about how the song is put together and like, like what, what it's significance is and like all that kind of stuff um like this song born to run um is one of the reasons i paired it with um with with cream is that it was also the breakout hit for um bruce um that song particularly not just the record um because yes. the album is called born to run too yes. um and this is in the I'm I'm going to show my lack of research here. Mid seventies, I believe. I want to say um, seventy two or seventy four. Yeah, it's seventy uh, something for sure. Um, so it's Earth obviously seven. an older record. Um, but um, it is all one of the the reason I chose this um to pair, um, is that both of these songs, um, speak to, um. I guess I guess Born to Run is kind of sort of the white version, white industrial version of the same kind of thing. Um, it's obviously not when you compare the two, it's not as serious, but like it's it's still the the young man feeling of I have to break out of this thing. Like this this place that I've grown up is crushing me, right? Still like so let's talk about something, Andrew, and you spoke to a lot of things, and this is the second straight episode that we've done where you've spoke to it. So we kind of have to unpack it and really just address okay. it for what it's worth. The struggle of your people is not as intricate as the struggle of my right. people. True. And so the expression of the struggle is not going to be as intricate. How intricate are you going to get with a struggle? And I'm not trying to say that they're not white people in america who do not struggle clearly because that would not be accurate or true but in the cumulative thought process of things what you're finding between these two records because i get what you're saying well the music is showing the difference in the struggle mm. and our struggle is deep and intricate and it reflects in the music because what you have is deep and intricate thoughts and schemes and patterns and words. 
because the struggle is not as deep on your side, what you are going to find is more riffs, more mm -hmm. melodies, more of the ancillary things that make a song great, whereas in on the hip hop side, what usually makes the song great is that intricate expression mm -hmm. of the culture. Another example of that is nothing but a G thing. Mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's an intricate expression of West Coast life in a day. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, Gen and sure. Those intricate expressions, mm -hmm. the intricate expressions come from the intricate struggle. If the struggle's not an intricate, how can you expect the expression of the artist to be? So he's expressing it to the base, best of his capability. It's just not as deep because quite frankly, he's living in a white man's world. So right. a struggle's only gonna have but so many depths. He's using, he. I mean, I guess, I mean, I will, I, again, we'll put the links to both of the songs in the little description down below. So people, if you're not familiar with these songs um, from either side of the spectrum or whatever, can like go listen to them if they've never heard them before. Um, I, I would imagine that both of them, like you may not recognize them necessarily by the title, um, but you, if you, when you hear it, you're like, oh yeah, I've, I've heard that before. Mm -hmm. Like at, at the football game or the basketball, like they, they play them over the speakers and crap mm -hmm. all the time. Um, um, this is a song where they use cars as a metaphor for um, relationships, for romance, for breaking free, for all of those things, right? I mean, this is in a you know a, a long history of um, all music, all rock and roll music, really, but um, especially um, with white artists. I mean, it goes back to the Beach Boys, it goes back beyond to the Beatles, it goes back. Um, way beyond that to where you're using a car as a metaphor for a woman for your love for whatever like um i mean i mean even um i still think prince did it better than anybody when he did little red corvette's probably the best example of this but um it's uh, but it's the same like genre like it's the same kind of metaphor can we and, pause for a second yeah so I have Little Red Corvette over here in parentheses because, you know, I'm a big mm -hmm. Prince right. fan. I think Prince is the greatest artist who ever lived. Do you want a little backstory right quick? Yeah, please put, put a little backstory in there. Prince used to go watch Bruce Springsteen perform. Mm -hmm. Part of the rationale behind that was because he could not understand how Bruce Springsteen was packing out these stadiums because he did not think that as a songwriter, mm. Bruce Springsteen was that great. Little Red Corvette is his rebuttal to Born to Run. Is it really? Because Little Red Corvette got written around the time, right after Born in the USA came out. <laughs> yeah. It was mid-80s, early 80s, yeah. And, and Prince was actually going to Bruce Springsteen shows to watch him perform because this is when, when if i'm not mistaken born in the usa is like 1981 82 i think it might be a little later than i don't i don't know i mean i know reagan used it as a like a, an anthem for one of his election campaigns we, we, and Springsteen we, we, got we, pissed off about it because that's not what the song's about but right right, right. we need to contextualize that because it's super important to, to get the date of it yeah it's june 1984 it was born in the usa right yeah okay so let's let's go right quick and see when Purple Rain came out because now you'll get what I'm saying. Yeah, July 1984. Yeah. 
So soon so, thereafter. <laughs> soon thereafter. So he was going to see Springsteen perform. Mm -hmm. And what I'm trying to say is, is that Springsteen, Born to Run, the album was so big, if I'm not mistaken, he didn't, it's like a six, seven year gap between born in the usa and mm -hmm. oh it was it was there's was a lot of space between the two there may have even been another album between the two again sorry guys i'm not a springsteen i don't say i'm not a fan but like i'm not a scholar at all so no 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 we need we, we need to pick figure that out because that's important to what i'm about to say yes born to run is 1975 okay born in the usa is 1984 that's a nine-year difference now for somebody like Prince, who's a black artist, who is as genius as he is coming up in the late 70s and early 80s, watching Bruce Springsteen pack out these stadiums off Born to Run. You get what I mean? Mm -hmm. He feels like, and he's even, Mike, I mean, Andrew, there's a Rolling Stone article where he talks about, where he's like, I wasn't that impressed. Like, I don't get why people love him so much. Little Red Corvette was part of that. Like a lot of those songs that he wrote around that time, they're not even about contemporary R&B artists. They're about Tom Petty, Bob Dylan, Bruce Springsteen. That's who Prince was shooting for. Born to Run and the car references is a direct correlation to why Prince made Little Red Corvette. So well, that's cool. I didn't know that that was like a true, I mean, it, it seems just listening to the songs that they're pretty obviously related. Prince thought he can do it better. That's what he's saying. He's like, I can do what he does better. That's your guy. That's the best guy you got. Watch this. You know, the Prince is like, we, we, this, this is not a Prince episode, obviously, but we could, we could do a whole one. on. Like the man was a genius. Like it's, it's nuts. Um, the, the, the talent that the, the guy had. Um, Springsteen is also in like the Bob Dylan, like school. Mm -hmm. Like he, Dylan was one of his guys too. So a was lot he? of the ways the lines are put together and a lot of the ways the the songs are structured are um, taken from Bob Dylan too. Um, and also, I think we've mentioned this in previous conversations, not on air or whatever, but that um, neither of them, and Tom Petty too, he's another example of this. We'll get to him in a later episode as well. Um, none of them are what you would call virtuoso singers, right? They're not, they're, they're not, their voices are, they are distinctive. Like, you know that they're them when you hear them, but they're not, I mean, there's, you know, you know, 50 people we went to high school sing better than that. Like, it's not, it's not, they're, they're not incredibly melodic, right? So, no, they're, they're about the lyrics. They're not about the, the, I mean, the melodies are compelling and the beats are compelling, but they're not, that's not their skill set. I don't, I don't know if I totally agree with you. One of the contextualizations that I made between Cream and Born mm -hmm. to Run mm -hmm. was that very much like Method Man, for his genre of music, Bruce Springsteen's voice is very funky and distinctive. What oh, it's incredibly that? distinctive. Yeah, you, you know it immediately. So, I'm, I'm, I mean, Andrew, I listen to all types of music. Mm -hmm. And when I go into that spectrum, he's not who I listen to per se. More mm -hmm. likely listen, to listen to Tom Petty and Bob Dylan, to be frank. Like right. 10 sure. times out of 10 over Springsteen on a personal level. But as soon as Born to Run came on, I knew exactly who it was. I was like, that's Bruce Springsteen. And yeah. so there's, there's some Method Man Biggie going on with Bruce Springsteen where it's like, well, he jumps on the track and it's like, well, that's Bruce, yeah. right? 
Yeah, exactly. Okay. So, so here's something else that I thought about when I heard the record. You know, his voice is kind of rough. It and is. kind of powerful, like a Mustang. Mm-hmm. And he's so, talking about all those cars, right? I mean, that's the whole... Right, so the car reference, but no, it makes sense because of his voice. I was like, this car reference makes sense if nothing else because his voice is rough and powerful just like the Mustang is. Mm -hmm. And so I thought about that too. And then I thought about, well, what artist in my genre is like that? And guess who I came up with? You'll who? be surprised. Tina Turner. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because... Tina does that. Smooth and rough at once, stylistically and vocally, is what I put down when I heard uh, Born to Run. And I was like, that's what Tina Turner does so exceptionally well. It's smooth, but it's rough and it's powerful. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so, 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 so he's gifted. He is. Yes. Um, he's, uh, his, his shows are legendary because, not because they're so long, that sounds bad, but like it, because he's, a performer that like drains himself in front of like the audience. So it goes, the, the shows are legendarily like three and four hours long. They're like forever and ever and ever. Um, and so that's like giving of himself to the, um, the audience is part of his appeal to um, that. That's part of the deal. Like, I mean, that's part of the, the thing. Andrew, spot on. My last note is the stick. I put the stick because there was a documentary called The Defiant Ones that came mm -hmm. out. Yeah, you show, you told me about that. It's awesome. Right, it is. It mm -hmm. talks about Dr. Dre and Jimmy Iovine's come up in, in the music yeah. business separately and how they merge together. Right. Jimmy Iovine is the engineer, the lead right. engineer on Born to Run. Exactly. And one of the Defiant Ones He's talking about this, what, two or three week period where Bruce is talking about the drums mm -hmm. on the record. <laughs> trying to get it right. Trying to get the drums right. Stick. And he keeps stick for six, I think it's like six weeks or something. And he's driving Jimmy and everybody crazy. <laughs> yeah. He but, is a little bit obsessive for sure. No, no, no. That's the giving to himself that you're talking about mm -hmm. on stage. No, no, no. Well, that means it's legit because that's the same guy that's staying stick in the studio yeah. while Born to Run's being recorded. So he's not a normal artist. He's giving all of himself in the studio and on stage. Right, exactly. Right, right. right. Um, I want to do a little... Um, we, you talked briefly, and we talked in the previous episode too when we were doing Blowing in the Wind, um, about the simplicity of... We talk, and you talked a little earlier today about the simplicity of the like the music and the whatever. Um, the if if I can like humor you and play this for a second, um, yeah. like so, the the rock and roll music generally is based on the one, four, and five. Do you guys? I guess one. So it's the root, the, and then the four and five. That's one one because it's the low note of the scale one two three four right so and five so um but those three chords or versions of those three chords depending on what key you're in are like the root of most of these songs um so like in blowing in the wind it goes 
four of one. You're saying it's not complex what's going on. Right. It's, it's not complex at all. Um, the but playing and, the guitar is hard. But, but you use the same three chords for, I mean, it's in a different key Born to Run is, but it's the same three. It's like... Right. Wendy, let me in. I'm going to be your friend. Dreams and visions. I shouldn't have the lyrics pulled up. So oh. it's, the, it's the same three. It's a little bit different pattern, but it's the same basic one. Right. Four, five, but, that's just, but that's just like the drum machine in hip hop. Mm -hmm. Boom, yeah. boom, clap. Mm -hmm. Boom, yeah. boom, clap. And then snare. You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Boom, for clap. Sure. Yeah. Same thing. And, and then you have the like the four five one like at the end of lines too, like the that's how ends of the courses tend to resolve, right? Like the um let's see. Let's see, how's it go? The the answer is blowing in the wind, right? Is that's how it resolves. And right. this is tramps like us, baby, we were born to run. I mean it's the same right resolving yeah. of it too. Um so some of that is, you know, Springsteen coming from the Dylan school of whatever. And some of it is just that's, I, I could play you, I can't, not from memory, but I could play you in other hundred songs that do that too. Yeah. So. Um, I mean, all, all hip hop beats originally come from Clyde Stubblefield, who was a drummer for James Brown. So okay. you can go pull like almost every beat from like 85 to 89 and it's pretty much all of Clyde's drum moves, you know? So no ideas original in the house. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's just cool to, to see how all the pieces connect. And like, I, I totally love like, and again, the reason why these songs I think fit together is that they both speak to the experience similarly and dissimilarly um, of how um, young people feel like constrained and trapped and like held back by the world that they're living in. Um, and so I, th I think that's where they, one of the many ways they connect. Can I ask you something? Yeah, for sure. About the artist and not about the song. I know we mm -hmm. discussed the merits and the intricacies of the song, but I do wonder about Bruce Springsteen sometime from this perspective. Mm -hmm. Was he in the right place at the right time, Andrew? Like who is his audience and what is his audience exactly in terms of what he provides? Because his following is massive and he's kind of ingratiated in a way, musically, has a fabric of our society in a yeah. way that very few artists are. When I listen to the music, I don't necessarily always hear that. But when I look at the time that he came around. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a, a working class. He's like the working class rock star, right? Yeah. And, and, and that's always been, I don't want to say it's his shtick. I mean, you've seen enough of him like in the Iovine documentary and stuff like that, that that is who he is. Like, it's not, no, he's not like putting dude. it on. He's, no, he's a working class hard dude. Like, um, come from a tough city. Like, yeah, 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 all that. Um, but, but yeah, I think he caught that, caught that wave. Um, and 
I, I like, like I said, I'm not a Bruce Springsteen scholar, like, so I don't really know. But like, I mean, I just talked, how about this? Like, just for me, mm-hmm. and it just appears to be around the same time, I think Tom Petty's music is much better. Tom Petty's got serious hits. Tom like, Petty's we'll, we'll, talk, we'll talk about him more in a later episode, too, but yeah. like, he's, but he's got. It's fine. Him as an overall musician and artist to be superior than Springsteen. So when I see how large Springsteen is, I'm thinking like, like when Tom Petty like around the same time, and I know Tom Petty's big, but it's Tom just Petty was like, a little bit after, but yeah, I mean that's is it um, after? Okay, uh, but like late seventies, early eighties is when his first. He had well, again, we'll talk about this more later, but like he had two or maybe even three, like peaks, um, early eighties, and then like around nineteen ninety ish, and then again, Ooh, Tom Petty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I remember like the uh, Rebel Without a Clue. Johnny Depp was in the video. That's mm-hmm. when. Jump Street was out. I remember all that. Petty yeah, was it's, it's, he he had lots of peaks and whatever. And, and I mean Dylan Dylan did Springsteen did. I mean Springsteen's more. I mean he's continued um, performing. I mean he's still writing music today. Like he's still perf- like putting out albums and stuff like that. Oh, but, really? Yeah, he's but but his big peaks are Born to Run and Born in the USA. Those are like the. Those are the cream version. Like they're the ones, I mean, they're great songs on the other records too, but those are the ones that crossed over that like everybody knows. So, so right. So this is what I mean when I'm saying about him, how many artists only have two albums that are revered in his genre that get held up this high. Yeah. Like, and I, I don't want I don't Bruce, know Bruce, any, Bruce, Bruce and your fans. I don't want to like dismiss what you're doing. Like I mean, it's, no, I'm just I'm asking valid questions. I feel like though because I yeah. don't know much outside of Born to Run and Born in the USA. That's seventy five and eighty four. Mm-hmm. Like when like he gets talked about like an American version of the Beatles sometimes as a solo artist. You get what right. I'm saying? Yeah. The Beatles, the Beatles had, had like Peppers and Abbey Road and the it's White a long album. List, yeah. It's just a long list where it's like, well, oh no no no, okay. I get it. Same thing with the Stones. Mm-hmm. Stones had many, many, many years of of stuff. Like yes, yes, no, yeah. a viable stuff that's like great. Like I, when I when my Infinity was getting fixed, I had to go get a rental car from the dealership. Like you mm-hmm. know, one of their loaner cars. Sure. It had it on the Stones XM radio. I played the Stones XM radio for like two days straight, Andrew and Diggie. That's good stuff, man. It's good stuff. Bruce Springsteen doesn't have two days worth of material that me as somebody <laughs> who doesn't viably like like I'm not part of your fan base per mm-hmm. se. I'm not part of the Rolling Stones fan base too, but I love great music. And so mm-hmm. I can listen to the Rolling Stones for two days straight on XM radio. I can't do that with Bruce Springsteen. So some of it I don't understand, quite frankly. Yeah. Like it's it's never been Again, I'm sorry, Bruce, and I'm sorry to your fans, but we're going to come in the comments and yell at me probably. But like, um, like that's not been, not ever been my thing either. Like, it's not, it's fine now. I enjoy it. Like, and I like that song, but like, it's, it's, and I thought it was worth talking about because I think it has interesting connections with, with the Wu Tang song. But, um, is it something that like I habitually listen to? or whatever. Uh, and maybe it's for, maybe it was designed for a generation older than me. I mean, the people who are like the Bruce Springsteen, like hardcore Bruce Springsteen people are like John Stewart, kind of those ages. Um, and I mean, John Stewart obviously grew up in New Jersey too. So like, it's, it's a different, um, 
that has a different connection too but um maybe maybe somebody can in the comments can explain like what the deal is like i mean i I like bruce but it's not it's not a religion for me yeah that's what i mean about when i listen to the music i'm like okay so sometimes in music there are people who are great and he's great but they catch people at the right time you know yeah you catch people at the right time and if you're talented enough that moment will make a career out of it. There are some people that have a moment, but because they're not talented enough, like Vanilla Ice had a moment, so 17 yeah, yeah. records worldwide, but the fabric of the material and the cloth that he was cut off, well, really wasn't that solid, you know? Yep. This, Bruce is solid, but I don't know if he's as solid musically as people are saying. Like, cause even with Blowing in the Wind from the previous episode, I just enjoyed that record so much yeah. more. It's like I enjoy Dylan so much more. And I find when I venture off into that realm, I find more than a few artists that I'm going to take over Bruce. Like, I'd rather hear Fleetwood Mac Rumors. Yeah. Fleetwood Mac's yeah. Rumors is a great, great record. It's a beautiful Silver Springs. Uh, what is it? Star, uh, what is it? Dust Lady? Uh, Gold Dust Woman. Gold yeah. Dust Woman. Yeah. Like, that shit. Like, like, I listen to that before I listen to Bruce Springsteen. So it's yeah. like, I listen to the White Album by the Beatles before I listen to Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. I'm definitely playing all things Nirvana before Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. All things. Nirvana's a whole different deal. I mean, we'll yeah, talk yeah, about that's Nirvana a whole later that's, too, that's, but that's, like, yeah. that's, a, that's a whole different, I mean, it's, it's not coming. I, I would even argue, I mean, that Nirvana is a response to, um, not an, an anti-Bruce Springsteen as, as much as it is an anti-like, Def Leppard, but it's um, it's still positioned in response to that more so than in the Nirvana is saying your rock stars suck, mm -hmm. like yeah. the rock stars you have suck. We have something for you. That's that's how I took them. Yeah. That's why I gravitated towards them. It was like the anti. It's like we're rock stars, but we're real rock stars. These guys suck. That's how like that's how I <laughs> that's how I took the approach from them as a kid. It's like we're real rock stars. These guys suck. Let's go. They're, they're they're coming from the not to get too deep into this in an episode that has nothing to do with it but like um it they're coming into it from the like the punk um in indie angle instead right. of the classic rock right um, I mean, springsteen off, springsteen right? is fusing pieces of like dill and like the folk traditions but also some of the the heavier riff based stuff the zeppelins and the, that kind of stuff too so, so, oh, I was about to say, so is it like some like... Um, but then you got the saxophone in there too. You know? <laughs> like Johnny Cash meets Death Leopard type of thing with Springsteen or something where it's like kind of folkish, but kind of like like rough and hard too. Is that what he was trying to find? Yeah, he, like he's... Ground? Yeah, I think so. I mean, like it's certainly... Um, he's got the lyricism or trying... Or is in the like in the world of the Dylan's lyricism. Like he's trying, not trying to do that. That sounds dismissive, but like that, he, he's, he's doing that kind of thing. And, um, but it's certainly, I wouldn't call it heavier really. I mean, I mean, all of the artists that we've said, Zeppelin and Def Leppard and like Sabbath. And I mean, all of those kind are way, way heavier than the Springsteen is. I don't think he's trying to do that, but um, it's certainly an electrified version. And he's got he's got like keys and saxophone and that kind of stuff in there too. So, okay, okay. Um, what? Well, so. Listen to what I'm about to say, and I want to be careful about how I say this. Is there something about the rhetoric lyrically 
Bruce Springsteen has a songwriter that resonates in white culture more so that it's carried the way that it has? I guess that's the real question that I'm asking. I think I've been looking for an answer to a question that I haven't been asking you properly. And so I think- I, I, I see what you're asking, I think. What I'm saying, does it, because something about him resonates in the fabric of the generation mm-hmm. of your culture that precedes you yeah. that I don't hear musically. It's like, no, I hear good music, but the it's way- not like that, that though. Right, the way that it's like that, that. It's like, okay, what is it about him that's resonating? Is there something in the time that he espoused the word that he espoused that's resonating because it's like i understand that he's a rock star i've i've had people from his generation tell me about 10 years older than us he's the last real rock star to them that's what i mean and he absolutely is a rock star like he's that he's he's a performer for sure like he's and and the same but when people when white people in america in their 40s and 50s and 60s feel like he's the last real rock star what has he done to them musically that I can go back to from outside the culture and be like, oh, I get that. Because part of what got me into Nirvana was that Kurt Cobain was the biggest rock star on earth. And it's like, oh no, I could see that. I could hear that. Mm-hmm. That was real. It's like, no, no, no. He is a rock star. No, he's the biggest rock star on earth. No, he's an excellent songwriter. And oh, yes, he player. is. I'm in. He's a songwriter of the highest order, in my opinion. So about all those things, seeing people from your culture be in on him, when I heard him, I could understand everything, everybody. I was like, I see why everybody's batshit crazy about Nirvana and about him. Mm -hmm. It makes total sense on every level, musically, songwriting, look, persona, the interviews. This guy's a rock star what about Bruce Springsteen resonates like that? Because there are people from his generation that call him the last rock star, like Kurt Cobain didn't live. Yeah. Like, and and they aged out of it before Kurt Cobain hit, I guess. But no, Springsteen, I think. Born to Run, if Born to Run is in 84. Born to Run 75, born in the USA. Yeah. Yeah. Born in the USA is 84. Yeah. What time? When did when did when did Nirvana's first album come out? Ninety. Ninety one. Yeah. 91? Well, ninety really. I mean, like Nevermind 90. was ninety one. Right. Right. So they're not that aged out of that. They're no. six years removed from Born in the USA. It's stylistically yeah. a whole nother world, but they're not aged out of rock. Yeah, that's true. No, no, Springsteen. I think, and I think one of the 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 things that he does that is different than anybody who can, or most people who came before him um you're because the people who came before that um the huge ones the led zeppelins with robert plant and whatever and the beatles and the stones and whatever that came before that um were people that seemed like an elvis too i mean we talked about him before too um like were larger than life figures like they were people to like look up to almost like gods right um he was one of the i'm I'm speculating here okay but um this makes sense to me so again people in the comments can correct me but like it's he seems like one of the first guys that you could see and see yourself as being that person right like he 
the way like he's not dressing in like leather pants to make his balls show out like 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 um like um robert plant would um he's not like no having these legendary parties after his things where you know he's having you know i got it like he's the guy that you could which is one of the reasons I'm sure that that um, Reagan stole his song um, is that he's the guy you could have a beer with, right? He's the he's the guy that you don't that you don't feel like would think he's better than you, and that came from somewhere that you recognize and is using imagery with cars and stuff that you recognize. Oh, right? stop right there, Andrew! You said something special right there because you were just able to contextualize something for me as a black man about bruce springsteen outside of music and listen to what i'm about to say everything that you just said about bruce springsteen is exactly what i tell to my black friends when they ask me how george w bush got elected right it's the same thing right that's what i was thinking as i was saying that like same thing because i used to tell people it's like no he's getting in because you can smoke a joint and have a beer with him and go to the ball game and kick it. You almost feel like if his wife's out of town, he might want to get into some trouble with you. He's normal. Yeah. And his, no- and his wife seems more like your wife. It's like, oh, she don't let him do nothing or have no fun. It's like, as soon as, soon as she goes out of town, he's going to cut a fool. We're going to the club tonight. He's regular like that. Yeah. And so now let's speak to that. That's a part of fabric of the society, the white part of society, they like that. They like the people that they can relate to. So now you said yeah. something that I can understand a little bit better about why people are so enthralled with him because I watched that as a young man happen with George W. Bush in the mm-hmm. political arena. Yeah. And it happened with Reagan too. I mean, it's that same thing. Reagan, but, yeah. um, but you Reagan, have... Hold on, hold on. But Ra- Reagan's smooth though. Yeah, he is. Reagan's smooth. He, he, he's got that actor thing too, or had that actor thing. Yeah, he's, he's, actor. he's damn sure an actor. Um, Especially in my community. <laughs> Let's not yeah, get too deep on this. Yeah, yeah, we're not, we're not going <laughs> to put Reagan. We're not crashing on Reagan. Um, though he probably deserves to be crashed on a little bit. You know, but, I mean, if, if it is, it is, right? Um, go look up Nicaragua and Ronald yeah, Reagan. Let's, let's, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No, but the, and, and the other part of Springsteen, I think, is that that the the concerts are like revivals like it has that feel to it um that they are um it's i don't want to use michael jackson as as a corollary but um because it's not the same thing it's not like little girls screaming kind of thing um because i mean michael had everybody right um and yeah um but bruce would like like the it feels i mean you you can go on youtube and watch concert footage of him um both from the 70s and whatever you have these and this is not like women screaming and passing out this is like a revival like it's it's a it's there's something of a religious experience no, his I've never energy, been to a concert of his, no, but like it has that feel to no, it. No, his energy and what he gives is so strong. That's why I said the yeah. whole stick thing. No, it all makes sense now because it, it. I feel that way about Prince. I've seen Prince live a couple mm-hmm. times. He gives what he has when he's there. Yep. And for somebody as special in him, 
for mm -hmm. as big as him, for as how many times that he's done this, yep. for him to show Thousands. up and give you that is special. Mm -hmm. And so I can understand that and I can respect that. Yeah. And so it's, it's that, that hard work thing. I think that yeah. people. Um, no, the bootstrap no, I, stuff. I mean, all that, all that right, American no, legend. I, right. I can respect it, Andrew. I got up at, you know, 630 today, mm. made my daughter breakfast, put her on the school bus, we went and ran a couple errands, went down an hour away from my house, did my job, came back, did one podcast, took a break, was like, oh, shit, Andrew's on the phone. Podcast number two. Yeah. I've been at it for 18 hours now. I respect the hard work. That's why I'm like, no, no, no. Give me something to contextualize it so I understand more. It's like they respect the hardworking man. He's not glossed up and dressed up like these other guys. He's gritty, kind of like Wu-Tang Clan. Yeah, he's wearing jeans and a T-shirt, right? I mean, that's what Right. Wu-Tang Clan's wearing hoodies and Tim's. So yep. it all comes back Same to idea. culture and, and idea and how it relates. Right. He's Dude, probably I dig this. Like, I, 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 there's, I, I was thinking, sitting here thinking a little bit about like, laughing at ourselves because like this is supposed to be like a 20 minute thing right and this has been like an hour and a half probably ish yeah. um and like like thinking like how am i going to cut this down to like uh i don't think i am though i don't think i don't think it's i think getting to that point that we just got to I think is is worth all of the conversation. And I mean, the conversation is interesting anyway, but it's worth everybody else getting to listen to the conversation. I think, where, I think where we got to just now is the crux of the idea of when you first brought this to me. It's mm -hmm. about bridging the gap, yep. developing the understanding, enjoying the music, having a little fun, talking shit with your friend you've known. Yeah, over exactly. Yeah, it's all of those things things and so there's no real time stamp on those types of moments yeah. you know so, sometimes it'll be shorter and sometimes it's, it's going to take a while like because right. because because i was asking you all those questions because i was trying to get somewhere yeah. because in the middle of you talking and explaining i started asking myself questions and it's like just who i am and i think you know me it's like no i want to know i'm not gonna let it ride it's like no i won't tell me why they love him so much break it down for me <laughs> like, I, like part of part of my answer is i don't know but part of it's also like i'm, I'm just like yeah, yeah i try to this is what makes sense to me like and maybe other people can explain it differently but yeah. like that that's what i got <laughs> Yeah. No, 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 no. What you got is good. And you were able to give me a lot of things that made me think about previous thoughts that I had and able to tie them back together. And what I really take away from it is, is that, well, your community and your culture respects a lot of the same things that I respect. Dope melodies, dope beats, yep. Yep. hard work, people they can relate to. It's not as separate as we make it sometimes. Yeah, for sure, man. Well, yeah. We can pull it together just like we pulled it together in this conversation. Because I'm asking questions. I'm like, man, this is too separated. It's like, give me something yeah. to connect it so that I understand. Because I know you understand. Like, from your response, when I'm talking about cream, mm -hmm. I can tell that you understand. So if I'm coming to you on your side about, and I don't understand, it's like, no, 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 make me no, understand. You, you, I want you to ask. Like, that's the, right. that's the point of this whole show is right. like. No, because I'll sit here, because I'll sit here until we figure some shit out or just get tired. <laughs> no, like, and because 
like if, if you're having these questions, other people are going to have the same questions. Like you're not the only one that's thinking this. Um, How about so, this? So the last episode that we did, mm-hmm. we talked about fight the power. Mm-hmm. And we talked about the important moment in the song where Flavor Flav jumped, fuck him and John Wayne. Yeah. Okay, so Elvis, John Wayne, Bruce Springsteen is kind of in that same line in my community. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm asking you these questions. Like, yeah. my, we look at him the same way we look at John Wayne and look at Elvis. It's like, give me something to show me why, yeah. you know? Because John Wayne's a known racist. Elvis is somebody who stole from black people. Bruce Springsteen is grouped in with them. Give me something to give my people to separate. Like separate him out from them a little ah, bit. From, from that narrative, yeah. Right, give me something to separate the narrative. It's like, oh, you like him because he's a hardworking guy and he, he doesn't wear all that flashy shit and he shows up and kicks ass every day. That's what mm-hmm. Wu-Tang does. I can tell my people that. Be like, Bruce, yeah. Springsteen, Bruce Springsteen show up for his people the way Wu-Tang does. Every day, the way we wear hoodies and Tim's. That's the way he's in jeans. White t-shirt jeans. Right. So it's relatable at that point. Give me Mm -hmm. something to relate to, though. So I don't have to group him with John Wayne and Elvis. Because here's the thing about the line with John Wayne and Elvis. You ain't going to find no black people disagreeing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think that might be a good place to end it, I think. Yeah, that's, that's a good place to stop.